You're listening to The Way Home with Daniel Darling, a proud member of the Venom Audio Network. Welcome back to The Way Home Podcast, everyone. This is Dan Darling. I'm glad to be back with you this week. Before we get to our conversation, I just want to tell you about a really cool resource that we have for free that you can download from my website at danieldarling.com. It's a free downloadable guide called How to Read the News. I don't know about you, but for me, it seems like there's news streaming in to our lives from everywhere on our timelines, what people are sharing on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and every social media thing, talk radio, podcasts, magazines, newspapers, if people still read newspapers. It's just coming in from everywhere, alerts on our phone. How do we read the news as Christians? How do we process the news? How do we make sure we're getting true information? How do we make sure that we're not just reading stuff that confirms our biases, right? I'm a conservative politically. My tendency is going to be to read things that only make and confirm that people who I agree with are good and right people and everyone else is wrong. You may be on the other side of the spectrum. So how do we read and also how do we read from a biblical worldview? Well, if you're interested in this, you can go to my website. You can download it for free. It's called How to Read the News. Give me your email. You can sign up for my bi-weekly newsletter called One Little Word, and we'll send you this a wonderful resource for free. So go to danieldarling.com and download How to Read the News. Okay, let's join our conversation. Welcome to the Way Home Podcast, my friends. I'm so glad you're joining me from wherever you're joining me, whether it's in your car, uh, picking up your kids from school, or doing uh, chores around the house, or exercising, or whatever excuse you are inventing to listen to a podcast like this. I'm grateful for all of you who are in the audience. I don't take that for granted. It's a, it's a, a joy to be able to uh, have these interviews and conversations every week. If you like the Way Home podcast, would you do me a favor and rate and review it in iTunes? Or if you liked a particular episode, go to danieldarling.com and use the contact form and, and let us know. Let us know uh, what you like about it and any suggestions or feedback. Well, today we've got a great guest in store. My good friend Bob Lapine is back. Bob is a longtime friend. He was one of my first guests when I started this podcast about six years ago. He's a longtime radio veteran. He's been the co-host of Family Life Today for several decades, is a great speaker. He's been involved in many important ministries. And he is out with a wonderful book on marriage called Love It Like You Mean It. Now, I just want to say something a little bit about this. My recommendation for people for young couples or anybody about marriage books is this. Read marriage books by people who've actually been married for a long time, who've actually lived it out in their lives. And Bob is one of those. He's got a great marriage. He has uh, talked and preached and counseled on marriage for for many decades. Uh, He's also a pastor of a church in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. And he's just a wonderful person. So I'm not going to take up any more of your time. I'd love to get to this conversation with my good friend, Bob Lapine. Wow, 
Well, I'm glad to have back on the Way Home Podcast, my good friend, Bob Lapine. Bob, thanks for joining me today. Hey, Dan. Great to be with you. Always great to, to uh, get to connect. Yeah. And so I've had you on a, a few times talking about various things, uh, radio and ministry and some of the initiatives uh, with Family Life Today. Uh, but I wanted to have you on again to talk about a brand new book that you have uh, that has released. It's called Love Love It Like You Mean It. Love Like You Mean It. Love Like You Mean It. Okay. That's right. And before we talk about my brand new book, I want to make sure your listeners know about your book, because I really do think, and, and you didn't tell me to do this, and everybody just needs to know I'm doing this, because I, I really think you are tackling one of the most critical subjects of our day in what you're talking about, civility in discourse and the words we use. And I, I just think it's such a needed subject, and I'm so glad you've written it, and I can't wait to get my hands on my copy. Well, thank you. It's it's called Away With Words, and so uh, you can go to awaywithwordsbook.com. Thanks, we Bob. Need a better way, we need a better way with words than what we're currently seeing in our culture. Yes, the, the question is, now that I have a book out about how to talk on social media, I actually have to practice that. So I'm, I'm trying to be good about that. <laughs> a number of months ago, I typed in Twitter, let no unwholesome words come out of your keyboard, but only that which is yes. profitable. You know, I, I just, I look at how much is unprofitable in our in our social media culture. So I'm glad you're giving us some guidance on this. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I'm excited about your book. You know, I've always said this about marriage books, Bob, is that, I will read a marriage book from someone like Bob Lapine, who has been married for a long time. How long have you been married to your wife, Marianne? 41 years. 41 years. That's the guy I want to read a marriage book from. My rule is don't write a marriage book if you've been married five years. And I won't read a marriage book from someone who's been married five years, unless they're like an expert, a PhD or something like, and then I'm still skeptical. So I'm glad you wrote this book. Well, and and don't, don't even try to write a parenting book until after your kids have graduated because that'll just all blow up in your face at some point. You, you yes. got to wait till the kids are out of the house before you pontificate on parenting very often. Yeah, that's my plan too. Uh, not to write one or read, well, I'll read one, but yeah. So uh, obviously this book has probably been a long time coming for you. Uh, you've been teaching at marriage retreats for years uh, with uh, Family Life Today. The retreats that you guys put on, uh, which obviously the weekend, to remember. the weekend to remember Angela and I have done at least one of those and really highly recommend them. Once the apocalypse here is over and we can actually start gathering again, I want people to go to, to those retreats. Yeah. Well, and, and we figure if, if you feel safe enough to go to Disneyland or Disney world, which not everybody does, but right. if you do, then coming out to a marriage retreat is probably better than a weekend at Disney world. Yeah. You know, the one thing that is hard sometimes as a pastor, and you pastor as well, is to encourage people, couples, to invest in their marriage. You, you, you know, it, it, it feels like a lot of us only want to go to a marriage retreat, go to counseling, read a marriage book when we're in absolute crisis. And yeah. there's a, it seems like there's a cost to not investing in our marriage, isn't there? Oh, I think it's it's like the guy who says, I just bought a brand new car and I shouldn't need to do the oil changes on this car. I mean, I paid a lot of money for this car. It should run fine forever. If you don't do preventive maintenance on your vehicle, you're going to have breakdowns down the road. So we get the oil changed. We rotate the tires so that the vehicle will last longer, so that it will go the distance. And we ought to be doing the same kind of preventive maintenance. I'm I'm actually 
really surprised that people have this default idea that marriage will just take care of itself if you don't maintain it. If you don't maintain a garden, weeds are going to pop up in the garden. You have to tend it in order for the the harvest to come in. And the same is true with a marriage. We've got to be intentionally doing things in favor of our marriage. And so whether it's date nights together or couples doing a getaway or going to marriage events, reading marriage books, this is just how you maintain a healthy, successful marriage. Um, so you've been married 41 years and you've also been doing marriage and family ministry and pastoring. So you, you've kind of seen marriage from all sides uh, as a pastor, as a husband, obviously, but also with marriage and family ministry. Are, is it more challenging today? Is marriage harder today than it was when you first started, when you first got married or when you first started in marriage and family ministry? Is it different? What are the unique challenges that marriages face today versus say, you know, 20, 25 years ago or so? Well, I think the relational dynamics of marriage have always been a a challenge. I think you take two sinful people, you put them in the same house for a long period of time and communication issues are going to pop up or issues with intimacy are going to pop up. Those, those have been going on since, since Adam and Eve. But what's different today is we don't have cultural norms and cultural values supporting or endorsing or um, making marriage the the great thing that it is. We have we've downplayed the value of marriage in the culture. And so the normal path to marriage today is a different path than it was uh, a generation ago. A generation ago, you would meet somebody, you would start dating that person, Um, After a while, you would decide to exclusively date, then you would get engaged, then you would get married, then you would start having sex, then you would have kids. So today, the normal path is you meet somebody, you go out on a few dates, you start having sex, you move in together, you, you, so you have this trial run, then you get, maybe you get pregnant, maybe at, at the end point, you get married. It's like marriage is the, the last thing in the process. And, and I think that devalues the importance of marriage. I think you have a lot of young people today who don't think a marriage can work because their parents' marriage didn't mm-hmm. work or because they've watched their friends who got married get divorced. And so they don't have confidence in their own ability to sustain a marriage relationship. And they're looking around and saying, is marriage valuable? Is it important? Why do we need a piece of paper? Let's just live together. And all of a sudden, Marriage, as we have known it, has been devalued. Of course, we've we've redefined marriage, and part of the redefinition of marriage has been shaped by this cultural idea that marriage is fundamentally about attraction and emotion, and that as long as you have attraction and emotion, you ought to be able to to make that into a marriage. And part of what I'm suggesting in this book is that attraction and emotion can't be the foundation on which any lasting relationship is built. It's got to be commitment and self-sacrifice. It's got to be a more durable kind of love than than what we see promoted in Hallmark movies or in in pop songs. Mm. That, that's such a great point. I, I, I'm also curious too, Bob. People are getting married later for a variety of reasons. Not all bad. There's more economic pressures today, maybe than or it seems like there is. So marriage is starting later than maybe it did several decades ago. 
Is that putting pressure on marriages as well? Is that changing the calculus? Besides everything else you mentioned, that marriage is not a cultural norm anymore, that uh, it seems more of a luxury item. You know, people are cohabitating and having children without marriage. But also the economic pressures make it harder, to, it seems, to get married earlier. Do you think that has an impact as well? I, I do. And I, I would say the average age for marriage today for a young man is 29 for a young woman, it's 27 and a half. Wow. That's up considerably from what it was a generation ago when people were getting married right out of college. So they're in their early 20s. That, that was more typically the case. And, and I would say that a lot of young marriages, uh, early marriages don't survive because you're dealing with people who uh, didn't have the, the right emotional foundation for a marriage. But I think the reason the, the marriage rate has gotten, uh, it, it, it's it's later, people are getting married later, is because of the sexual liberation that has come out of the 60s. So a lot of people used to get married earlier because they wanted to have sex. Mm. And they thought, well, I, I have to wait until I get married to have sex. Well, mm. that's gone. Mm -hmm. So now... There's, there's not, I, I think people are justifying the, the kind of economic pressure. Well, I've got to start my career. I got to pay off my student debt. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I think those are real factors, but I think the biggest factor is I don't have to, I don't have to be married to have sex. All I have to have is Tinder on my phone or, uh, or, you know, I swipe right and I can get what I'm looking for. And so the, the pressure to get married is not what it once was. Mm. Mm, that's really that's really interesting. The other thing is there's there's increasing how do I say this? There's increasing even within the church a lot of angst about talking about marriage it seems like. I want to I want to ask this question delicately so I don't get canceled on Twitter. <laughs> but um you know I think there's been good conversation about what some call purity culture uh that maybe some of the ways we talked about purity in the past weren't gospel centered, weren't healthy. And I think there's been some good conversation about some of the ways maybe that we held up marriage as such an ideal that we didn't think about singles and maybe their unique calling that God might have for, for singles. But those, it seems like the pendulum has swung so much that if you even talk about marriage, you know, there's just a hesitance because you're leaving somebody out. If you, if you, if you address marriage from the pulpit, you're leaving out singles or you're, you're leaving out divorce folks in your congregation. And so maybe speak a word to why pastors really need to help strengthen the marriages of people that are in the church, even, even if it's going to be somewhat controversial to talk about those things. I, I felt that pressure that you're talking about. And, and I think part of the challenge that, that we're dealing with is we've been so marriage and family oriented that we have left a lot of single people in the dust. We've left them feeling second class. There's, there's just that pressure of the, the older woman who meets the single woman at church and, and who wants to fix her up immediately. There's just kind of the, all of this pressure that you need to be married. And, and added to that is the fact that a lot of uh, young singles would like to be married, mm -hmm. but don't know how to approach that. So single culture is, is a real thing that a pastor needs to navigate. But if, if you're not, as a pastor, addressing uh, marriage issues in your church, you're leaving the majority of your congregation to try to figure out how to navigate the most significant relationship in life, the most foundational element of a society, 
they've got to navigate that on their own without any spiritual guidance from you. And I, I think there's a level of spiritual malpractice that's going on when, when we're not finding a way to reinforce the value of marriage and the value of, of family in, in our culture. Because most of the people in our church are, are married and in families, and most of the people in our church are struggling with how to make that work well, and yet they're keeping it hidden. We don't see it on Sunday morning. It all looks like they've got it together. But any pastor worth his salt knows that what's going on behind closed doors at home is different than the smiling faces he sees on Sunday morning. And so you've got to be helping couples navigate the choppy waters and the the issues that they're going to face in marriage. You, it, it, the, the book that, that I've written here, we've also created, and won't be out until the fall, but we've created a video series to go along with this. And my hope is that small groups and that um, Sunday school classes can use this video series as a part of their ongoing marriage health in a church, because I think that's so needed in a church environment. Well, before we continue our conversation, I want to just encourage you to uh, check out our friends at Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling has generously sponsored this episode of the Way Home Podcast. And one of the reasons I was excited to partner with them is because I believe so much in the value of good biblical counseling. In the last few years, I've really noticed the importance of counseling, both as a pastor who has to care for people at times, as a husband, as a father, as a friend. There's just times when all of us need to sit down and talk with someone who is skilled at kind of peeling back through the layers of our lives, both the spiritual and the physical and the places where we need clinical diagnosis and we need a, a, a biblical word from God. And sometimes those are, are kind of marbled in together in complex ways that we can't totally understand that someone outside of us can help us do that. I believe this is a really important thing. A lot of times we're afraid to go to counseling. There's a stigma that I don't want to be known as the kind of person who would need to get help. And really, we, sh we shouldn't think that way because all of us uh, are fallen or broken, have needs that someone else that God uh, gifts in a certain way can help with. What's great about the model of faithful counseling is that it's completely confidential and it's completely online. And so if if you're like me and the kind of the stigma of getting up and going and talking to someone is, is a little bit too much of getting in your car and going to an office or a church, you can do this from the privacy of your home. You fill out a an intake process and they match you up with a counselor that's suited to your needs and if you happen to get a counselor that is just not working for you you can easily exchange them at no cost you have access to your counselor through text through email and other ways if you have a crisis in between sessions so i want to encourage you to visit faithfulcounseling.com slash way home that's faithfulcounseling.com slash way home and you will get a 10% discount off your first month's membership, which is which is a really fantastic deal. So visit faithfulcounseling.com slash way home and get a 10% discount off your first membership. I really want to encourage you, uh, if you are listening, feel depressed, you have anxiety, or maybe you have some thorny 
relational issues in your family or at work or other places to go seek some help with our friends at faithfulcounseling.com slash wayhome. Speak a word as someone who's been married for 41 years. I think one of the things that a lot of couples just really need to hear and want to hear, especially younger couples that, that I talk to as a pastor and just is that, Hey, you can get through this. God can see you through this. It's going to take work, but uh, you're going to have rough patches. You're going to have hard times, but marriage can be really good. You know, can you speak a word to, to couples like that? But when, when my wife and I, when Marianne and I have done marriage counseling with young couples, I will, or, or premarital counseling with couples, I'll, I'll often say, look, you need to know marriage is going to be harder than you think. And Marianne will always quickly say, and it can also be more glorious than you believe. Mm. She wants to make sure, and, and she's right. We need to be, uh, we need to, need to be communicating both of those messages clearly. Yes, marriage is going to require some hard work, harder than you imagine, because during the dating years, the the uh, momentum of emotion is so strong that you just think, oh, this is just going to swell up and get stronger and get bigger and deeper. And then you get married and uh, you're not just seeing each other for a couple of hours a day. You're living with each other and you're seeing things you didn't realize about each other. You're two sinners in a in an environment where you're seeing those sinful things come up and you, you realize uh, my sanctification is going to require uh, a booster shot here to be able to make marriage be all that God intends it to be. But I will say, after 41 years, marriage is glorious. Marriage is wonderful. I love uh, having a lifelong companion who I have a shared history with. I, we mm-hmm. we have um, we've done life together for 41 years. We've raised five kids. Uh, th- there's a oneness between us that is is such a such a source of joy in my life, uh, and and there is a great glory. It, it, marriage is a good gift from God to us, designed to mirror the oneness that is experienced within the Trinity. So, Marianne and I don't have that kind of perfect oneness, but when we have the tastes of that oneness. We get a chance to see what God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit have enjoyed for eternity. And just a taste of that is a really sweet thing to experience. Mm, mm. That's really good. And, you know, it's it's controversial to say this. And so I think we have to say it in a more nuanced way that God uses a variety of things to sanctify us, right? So sometimes when we say marriage is a really sanctifying thing, I mean, it has been for me, you know, being forced to because we made a vow that we're going to be together till death do us part. We're essentially forced to live side by side with someone heart and life and character rubbing against up against yours has shaped my character in good ways. I mean, if I, if I was, if I was not married and I, I hate to see what, what kind of person I would be, Yeah, but it is controversial to say that marriage is sanctifying. I think what we're saying though, is it's not the only thing God uses to sanctify and God can use singleness to sanctify folks that are called to that, but, but it can really be, uh, you know, that if we look at marriage and, and children, if God gives us those things, we can look at those things as God's way of, 
of shaping us, right? Yeah, it's not that the only path toward holiness is marriage and family, but my my experience of my greatest times of sanctification have happened when I have been in challenging situations where where I've been tested, where I've been tried. I grow more in the valley than I do on the mountaintop. And marriage and family are going to bring into your life um, challenges that you would not experience as a single person. Uh, and, and that's going to be a part of your sanctifying process. Now, if you're single, God's going to bring challenges in other ways that are going to cause you to grow. So again, a single person can grow in godliness. You know, Paul makes it clear in 1 Corinthians 7 that if you're single, you can you, you have a lot more kingdom opportunity than you might have as a married person. So if you're single, that's what you have a gift that you should use and exploit. And God can grow a single person into godliness uh, just, just as easy, easily as he grows a married person. But my marriage has been a source of sanctification in my life. And, and in those hard times, nobody likes going through the hard times, but in those hard times, uh, God is is molding us, conforming us. He's using light and momentary afflictions to produce in us an eternal weight of glory, and and so it's it's a good thing, even when God takes us through trials in a marriage relationship. Mm. Yeah, it really is. And you know, it seems too that obviously there's hard times in marriage and difficult times, but marriage can be really a sweet thing uh, as the years go by, right? Like when I think, and I've only, you know, this will be 18 years for us, but man, it's like marriage is great. It's, it's I think better now than it was when we, when we began. And it, it seems like, you know, that's something that young couples can look forward to. I also wonder Bob too, how important it is to not just look at our spouses as our spouses, right. And all that that comes with, but if we're Christians, you know, that my wife is a sister in Christ and I'm her brother yes. in Christ. How important is that? I, I think it's, it's vitally important. We have to affirm the equal value, equal dignity, equal worth of men and women in the culture, but in a marriage relationship. Yeah, it's important. I love the, Dan Allender wrote a book years ago with the title Intimate Allies. And I've always loved that, ex, that expression mm. because that is in fact what we are. We are intimate allies in uh, the, the war on sin in our own lives, intimate allies in, in the kingdom assignment uh, that God has given us. And it's, it's such a, a sweet thing, as you said. Um, I, I was talking to a group of pastors many years ago, and I asked them, if you, were, if you had to pick one verse or one passage from the Bible that you would share with a couple that was getting married, and it couldn't be Ephesians 5, it couldn't be 1 Peter 3, it couldn't be Genesis 1 and 2. You kind of take the normal marriage verses out, and you can only share with them something that's kind of outside the norm. What would you share with them? And I got a lot of great answers. People looked at Ephesians 4, and don't let the sun go down on your anger. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, uh, forgiving one another. A lot of great passages about relationality. But I had two pastors that said, oh, that's easy. I would, one said, I would use the verse I proposed with. And I said, what was that? And he said, it was, it was Psalm 34.3. And I had never thought of this verse in, in a marriage context. I'd always thought of it 
just kind of in a general Christian context. Psalm 34.3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And I thought that's that's what at the at the heart of it, marriage is not primarily about the emotional benefit I receive or about my happiness. At its core, marriage is supposed to be where two people come and unite to magnify the Lord. We should get married because we believe we can advance the kingdom better together than we can do separately. And so we should have kingdom priorities driving and fueling our marriage. And that's why we do need to say, you're my sister in Christ, you're, you're my brother in Christ, and we, we are living for kingdom purposes. And our marriage is, is just the unit, it's the battalion from which we fight the spiritual battles in our life and in our world. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Bob, before we leave, I'd like to ask just if you had a, if you had a word you could give to a marriage in crisis, someone who's listening right now and is like, I don't know if we're going to make it, we're in a really hard spot, what would you tell them? I'd tell them that most marriages who that get into crisis are in crisis because they have they've run out of their own resources to try to repair the damage they've done to one another. So they've reached into whatever their toolkit is to try to patch up the problems and they don't have the tools. And I would say the fact that you don't have the tools in your toolkit doesn't mean the tools don't exist. So get the help, go to a, a marriage home depot, whether it's a, uh, a marriage event like the, the weekend to remember, whether it's marriage counseling, where you get with a specialist, you may need a marriage intensive and those happen around the country, but there are tools available to you that you just don't know about that can repair the damage that's happened in a, in a marriage relationship. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your kids. You owe it to the Lord to exhaust every possibility you have to try to repair the damage that's been done. And then I would say there was a study done in Oklahoma years ago, and I've, I've always pointed back to this because I think it's so important. They went to couples who had filed for divorce but had never gone through with it. And so these couples had, this had been at least five years in the past. You'd filed for divorce, but you'd never gone through with it. They went and asked them to rate their marital satisfaction today on a five-point scale, and 83% of the people they talked to, their marriage was at a four or a five, five years after a point where they had been filing for divorce. And, and I think the point of all of this is if you persevere and get the help you need, and if hope can be reignited in your in your marriage relationship, there can be a glorious future on the other side. There can be happiness that you long for that you think is unattainable. It's out there. If you'll get the help you need, if hope can be reignited, and if both of you are committed to, to saying, let's Let's do the work we need to do. You can get to the other side in a marriage relationship. You just have to persevere and you have to be committed to doing the hard work. Yes, absolutely. Well, listen, this is such a great word. I want to encourage everybody listening to get this book from Bob Lapine, Love Like You Mean It. And listen, don't get marriage advice from Twitter. Don't get marriage advice from your friends who have been married three months. Don't read books by people who've only been married five years. 
read this book. Bob's been married for 41 years. He's a pastor. He's also been working in marriage and family ministry forever. So this is the book you need, everybody. So uh, we'll have links in the show notes. Please go get uh, Love Like You Mean It. Bob, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Dan, always a pleasure to be with you. Great to uh, have this conversation. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this edition of the way home podcast with daniel darling for more information you can visit danieldarling.com if you do like this podcast we encourage you to subscribe on itunes or your favorite podcast catcher we also encourage you to rate and review so others can know about the podcast you can follow me at at dan darling on twitter or go to my facebook page facebook.com slash daniel m darling I also want to encourage you again to check out my latest book, Away With Words, and you can visit awaywithwordsbook.com. Thank you for listening again to The Way Home Podcast. This is a production of the National Religious Broadcasters. Mm-hmm.